So my name is Dan. I'm on staff here at Cornerstone. Um, Eugene is usually the one who speaks, and he is uh, out of town right now. He had to leave town for a wedding. And so I have the privilege of sharing uh, our, from our passage today. And if you've been with us, you know that we've been in a series in Ephesians. And today we hit chapter 3 in Ephesians. <clears throat> and so we'll start by picking up in chapter 3. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 13. Paul writes, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my ins- when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations and has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he, was, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering, which is for your glory. Can we pray again? I'm just going to pray over um, today's word. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, God. You would open our understanding. That you would open our eyes to a bigger picture that is bigger than just our personal lives, God. Holy Spirit, would you empower this? Every word spoken. God, would you cover every inadequacy in myself that this word would stand true and this word would ring conviction and power and change into the lives of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The church is the most important institution to this world. I don't know if we see that, I don't know if we understand that, but it is the most important in God's plan all the more clearly to this world. There's a a trend of people who think that they don't need church. There's no explicit verse in the Bible that says you have to go to church. And so people say, you know, on Sundays I, I go to the golf course and I make that my spiritual time. I reflect on God as I swing golf. And it's much more peaceful and it's, it's, it's a lot better than annoying church people and I connect with God much better. People can do anything they want on Sundays and people have come to the conclusion that they don't need church. But what if the church wasn't about what you need at the core. What if church is actually about doing something for others and the focus isn't exactly about you? And I think that's something that this passage is going to tell us. Even at this church, people leave for different reasons. And I don't undermine the value of what church is to you, like that it should be a place where you're growing. And even Eugene has said, Pastor Eugene has said that if this place is not the place where you're growing and you're really just stuck in this place, then 
perhaps it's not the right church for you. So I don't undermine that at all, but I don't think that's the core of what we're looking at. Even more foundational than that is what is this church, how are you serving this church? And then the questions when people leave isn't about this church and serving me, but it would actually look more like, I, I don't, this church is, is really functional in the ways that I can serve it, and so I think that I can really serve a church better somewhere else. Maybe that would be a better reason to switch to church. But in every reason of why we choose church, why we stay at a church, it seems like we have made the conclusion that church is about me and how it serves me. But I don't think that's what this passage says. And so my prayer is at the end of this message that we'll see the real value of church and what God's ultimate purpose for the church is and that we'll really get our butts into gear and say, I need to be serving the church. So let's jump in. Verse 1. For this reason, and so he's referring to everything he's written before, and last week we talked about the, how God has made us citizens of his kingdom. The week before, Danny talked about how we, are, we were dead and we are alive. We weren't just bad people and made good people, but we were dead and we were made alive. And so for this reason, of all the things of the gospel, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, hyphen. So what happens here is that Paul mentions Gentiles, and he gets distracted by his own thought. He's like, I need to elaborate this concept of Gentiles a little bit more. And so next week, you'll, we'll continue from verse 14. And so th- this is where he leaves off. He, he goes kind of on a tangent. He says, for this reason. Verse 14 starts with, for this reason, because he continues back from right where he left off here. But in verse 2, he picks up on a tangent, and he starts to share about Gentiles. And a little bit more of God's picture, and he makes it very clear God's plan for Gentiles. And so that's what's going on here. So verse 2 and verse 3, we'll read, Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly. So he's written briefly in the couple of chapters before. He mentioned Gentiles, but now he's going to make it even more clear. Now I want to spend just a moment on a couple of things here in verse 2. Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. Notice he doesn't say of God's work given to me, of God's task. He calls his mission, his purpose that God has placed in him as God's grace. I hope we see everything that God places in our lives as God's grace. That he gives us an opportunity to not live for a temporal thing, that to make some money and to die and just have some fun. But he gives us an opportunity to make an eternal difference. If anything's worth doing, it's things that are eternal. And he gives us that opportunity. And Paul understands that this is a measure of God's grace. Every opportunity to serve him is a measure of God's grace and not to be taken lightly. But I want to look at this word in verse 3, mystery, because it'll come up as we continue on. The mystery that's been revealed. Now, in, in English understanding, a mystery is a very confusing thing, something that's there and we can't quite get. A mystery is hard to solve, kind of like women. Like, you just can't figure, figure it out, right? Like, you, you, one understanding and the next day it changes, and you're like, 
how did this upset you? I don't understand. And how is this not helping you? And, and likewise, I guess for women, men, we're the same mystery. Just as hard to figure out. But that's how we understand this term mystery in English, this thing that we, we can't solve, we can't figure out. It's, it's a mystery. But in, in ancient day or in Greek, when they were writing, it's, it's simply something that was hidden but's been revealed. So everything that we don't know is a mystery. It's not that it's difficult to understand. It's just something that hasn't been revealed or have, we haven't understood this yet or figured this out yet or known this. And so Paul says, a revelation by God, and it's been revealed. So this is a mystery. It's simply a truth that's been made known. That's the context of this mystery. So in verse 4, we'll pick up. When you, read, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So there's a mystery of the Gentiles. And it's been revealed in this time era. You see, before that, what to do with the Gentiles wasn't exactly clear. God spoke to his people, the Israelite nation, and he told them what to do, and he told them how to live. But everyone else, it was just Abraham was told that he would be a blessing to all the nations, but that could be a lot of things. It doesn't mean what we're going to read necessarily. It could mean simply that they give everybody a high five, every nation, and they bless them that way, make them happy for a day. They give Girl Scout cookies to other nations and bless them in that way. It could mean a lot of different things, but it's just vague. But here we see that the mystery has been revealed now. The mystery of what the Gentiles are in this whole cosmic picture. And verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now this is a complete perspective change. And Pastor Eugene hit on this last week? Last week. But he shared one excerpt where it said that the Jews viewed Gentiles as fuel for God's fire, and that was it. They had no purpose other than to be fuel for God's fire and to suffer eternally. That's the perspective that Jews had of Gentiles. It wasn't good. It was very, they're just bad people. And so this is a total, total 180 mind shift change, paradigm shift in what the understanding of Gentiles was. That they are also the partakers of the same promise. It's totally different. It's no longer just a high five or giving Girl Scout cookies. It's the promise that was given to the Israelite nation. Everything is available to Gentiles. And Gentiles being simply non-Jews. Praise the Lord. Because that's why we're here. I don't know anybody who's a Jew here. But I think everybody here is here because God's grace and his gospel extends to Gentiles. And every promise to the Israelite nation is available to everybody. This is the mystery. Even in Acts, as the church was spread, if you remember, Stephen was martyred, and that was kind of the, the martyrdom that spread the church out, out of one nation and out of one area, and they spread them out through the country. 
And this was how the Christian message spread. But even then, if you read, they were spreading, they were sharing the message of Jesus Christ to Jews. That's what they were saying. So they were, they were still just, just sharing to Jews. But then certain events happened. Paul was revealed. Cornelius and Peter happened. Where Cornelius was a Gentile and he had a vision and Peter had a vision and they came together and like, God wants us to share the truth of the Israelite, what was promised to the Israelites to you, Cornelius. And then Gentiles start being saved. So this is a complete change. And many of the Jews didn't want to accept this either. And many still don't accept this. But this is what scripture says. So we'll read on verse 7. And so of this gospel, I was made a minister. Of this gospel that extends to Gentiles, to all people, I, Paul, was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Again, he just sees this as a total blessing that he can be part of this, which was given me by the working of his power, the revelation of God that came to him. Now we're going to slow down in verses 8, 9, and 10. To me... Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So this is the first part of the way Paul talks about his task and his duty. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And, and, and I want to mention this, that it says of Christ, not, it doesn't even say in Christ. Christ is the unsearchable riches that all people are looking for. And one love team, hear this as you go out. We're not preaching that God can just give things and make you happy, but God is what will make you happy. Many people go out on missions and they, and they drive their nice car, they bring their fancy clothes and say, you can have this car if you believe in Christ. You can have these clothes. You can have money and more food on your table and be prosperous if you have Christ. You just need to believe in Christ and he will, make, he will bless your life. But that is not the gospel. That is not preaching Christ at all. That is preaching riches of the world. That is quite the anti-gospel. The gospel is that Christ is the unsurmountable riches that we are looking for. And so, One Love Team, every time we go out at our workplace and our schools, if we ever share Christ, it's about, you need Jesus. Not the things that Jesus might provide. You just need Jesus. He is the unsearchable riches. So this is the first thing that Paul says his task is, to preach this gospel message to Gentiles. And in 9, he elaborates more, and also to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So bring to light for everyone, Jews, Gentiles, and alike, everyone out there who's watching and listening, the plan. This mysterious plan that God is using to bring all people into the same family. This plan where it's not about a, a, a national, about a nation. It's not about a racial orientation. It's about a faith. And everyone is in the same family. And everybody is the Israelite nation in that faith. Now verse 10. Verse 10 is really interesting. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities. 
in the heavenly places. I'll just stay back on this slide. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might, be, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So first question, what, what are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? What is he talking about? What is this church trying to reveal like, to who? who? Who is a target audience here that the church, that Paul is writing, the church is representing to itself to? And Ephesians 6 is later, but I'm going to give you a little, little preview into Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The audience that we're referring to. And heavenly places, not meaning actual heaven where God is, but in the spiritual realm, the heavenly places, not heaven. The spiritual realm, the audience of the church is those principalities, the powers of darkness. Satan and his little minions, they're watching. See, what kind of statement the church makes about God? And what does God want to reveal? He wants to reveal the manifold wisdom of himself, his wisdom through the church. This is the purpose of the church. He doesn't say the church is there so that you can have a a, a lift me up every Sunday. He doesn't say the church is here because that's where you're going to get spiritually fed. I believe in those things. I believe that church should do that. But at the bottom line, the purpose of the church is so that the manifold wisdom of God might, be, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's the purpose of the church that Paul is talking about, that God wants him to write about. So how is God revealing the wisdom through the church? What is this wisdom? Well, the wisdom is his plan. The wisdom of his plan. In the eyes of this world, the plan is foolish. How is the king going to save people? He's going to die. It's foolishness. That's not how you save people. But if this plan is going to be seen as wise and true wisdom, well, any plan, the wisdom is seen in it, in the success of it. Right? My friend, uh, so he, he liked this girl, and he... His plan to try to win her was uh, he took a box of Frosted Flakes to her door, and they were just talking, and they're just hanging out. He said, I know this, this cereal box looks really random, but I just wanted to give it to you because I think you're great. <laughs> that was his plan. He thought that would work. It didn't work. Not very wise. Now, if... If he came back to me and he was like, she's mine, got her, worked. <laughs> Dude, you're, that's really wise. I would have never imagined that that would have worked. The wisdom of a plan is, is shown in, in, in if it works or not. So what is the church revealing about the wisdom of God's plan? Does it work? Are Gentiles and Jews alike being brought into God's family, being restored, taken out of Satan's hands, 
taken out of what was already foreshadowed as our destiny and changed completely? Is the church doing that? Is it revealing the wisdom of God's plan by accomplishing this purpose? Now this understanding that that our audience is the heavenly realms, that gives your life cosmic significance. I remember having a conversation with, back in Seattle, um, when, when school was finishing and the high school uh, the seniors are graduating. We were at our retreat, our summer retreat, and it was kind of our thank yous and goodbyes to our seniors as they're going off to college, and, and we had that time. And uh, at the end of that time, uh, people were just talking, and then the little seventh grade, sixth grade girls, they were, they were crying so much because they're, they're, the older senior girls were leaving. They're crying so much. And then I was later talking to one of the senior girls, and she was like, I had no idea that they liked me or appreciated me or they would cry when I left. I barely have a relationship with them. And we were just talking, and we were just thinking about, you have no idea the scope of your ministry. You have no idea who's watching your life, whether you realize it or not, whether it's church people or work people or school people or even parents and family. You have no idea what kind of statement you're making to the people in your life about who God is and what God is and what kind of impact that has in their lives. You have no idea. But I read this, and all of a sudden it blows that completely out of the water because now our, our audience isn't even people. We have a, a, a cosmic significance. We are making an impact because the heavenly realm is now watching as well. This is huge. Your life is not just a random thing that makes no difference. People are watching. The, the heavenly realms are watching. All to see what kind of statement you make about God. Do you reveal the wisdom of God? Or does life, or does your life rep- represent foolishness? Make God seem foolish. For Paul, representing Jesus Christ, representing his mission, his call to the gospel, We read in verse 13. Well, we'll pick up in 11. And this, all that was said, is, was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Amen. And so he tells the Ephesian church, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering, which is for your glory. Paul's mission would take him to prison. He writes this in prison. If you really relate it to Acts, you're looking at the last chapter of Acts, the time frame of when he wrote the book of Ephesians. He's in prison, and he's writing to them, don't lose hope, because Paul sees his cosmic purpose in what he's doing. It's not just an accident. It's not just a random happening of events, and not just wickedness, a man that brought him here, but God is allowing things to unfold for a cosmic reason which took him to much suffering. Christ as well, 
God's plan in, in Jesus Christ took him to much suffering. But there is a plan and there is a purpose that is bigger than what we see with our own eyes and it reaches to the heavenly realms. I want to share this, this kind of silly clip. Um, we're often referred to as sheep and you might have seen this. It's kind of silly, but it's entertaining. So uh, obviously that was a Samsung commercial, but uh, cool, that boss, that's, um, did a little trick there. But what is one sheep in that big picture of things? It's just a random sheep running around with lights on his back. And I'm sure the sheep didn't understand, obviously, but even if it was people, we probably wouldn't understand what's going on. If we were just running around with lights on our backs, doing these random things, but who knows what's going on? The orchestrator. The one conducting everything does see the big picture of even what seemed like a random running around with lights on your back. You serve a cosmic purpose. And I know we don't see it, but God sees a big picture. What we want to see is success. We want to see the fruits of our labor. But God doesn't always call us to success, at least not in the way that we might see success. We spoke a little bit about this at our college ministry on Friday. But if you look at Isaiah, we look at that as this call to missions, because you see the passage of here I am. God is saying, who will go? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And we say, yes, go out on missions. But if we understood the bigger picture of what that mission actually looked like, I don't know if we would jump on that mission opportunity because Isaiah's mission was to go to people who would never listen to him. But God had a purpose. If I told you that I think what God wants you to do is to go speak to people who will never, ever listen to you, you would think, why would God want me to do something that's going to fail? It's hard for us to see beyond what we think as success to be successful. But God is not calling you to success. He's calling you to integrity, to whatever he calls you to. For some of us, we're going on one love. As a, some of us here are, are going on this one love trip to, to share the message and to share God's love with these people, with these girls who have been sex trafficked. But not every one of us are going there. But... I know we like to make this distinction of senders and goers. And maybe in the case of this mission trip, yeah, we have senders and we have goers. But in the broad scheme of things, we are all goers. The question is when and where are we going? Maybe you're not going to Mexico right now, but you're going to work and you're interacting with non-Christians who need the gospel. Do you think that God doesn't have you going to minister to sex trafficked children because they don't need more people? In God's cosmic plan, there is also a very important, just as important as sex trafficked children in your workplace. But we don't see that sometimes, and we just treat our workplace like a workplace, like any other non-Christian does. But there is a cosmic purpose that God has in your life, in school, in work, wherever, whenever he sends you to go. So whether it be here, whether it be Mexico, we need to see that. That our audience isn't even just people. It's the heavenly realms watching to see what kind of statement 
we make about our God. So in everything we do, whether it be here, to go now, to go later, let's not look for success. Let's look for integrity. Let's be aware that we are always making a statement of who God is. Let me pray for us. Dearly Father, we confess that we so easily lose sight of the big picture and we so easily dismiss the big picture because we don't understand it in our limited mindset, our limited thinking. But God, you unveil in Scripture that you have cosmic purpose for all of our lives. And you unveil in Scripture that, in, that this church, that the mission and the purpose of this church is to unveil your wisdom. God, would you forgive us for making this life and, and church about us? Help us to see your picture. And, and, and we know that we won't understand it, but help us to have faith in you, God. That you've placed us where we are for our mission. To unveil the mysteries to show that you are wise in your plan, to unveil the mystery to all people, to everyone as Paul did, that the unsurmountable, the, 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 the immense riches of Christ, that Christ is for all people. Help us to be the church, God. We don't want to just go to church. We want to be the church. May every statement that we make with our lives, personally and as a corporate body, be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.